All right, Don and Lyric, come to our Advent reading. Matthew 16, 15 through 16, he, Jesus, said, But who do you say I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the <clears throat> living God. Peter called Jesus the Christ. Christ is a title. It is the transliteration of the Greek word meaning anointed one and translation of the Hebrew word meaning one who is anointed. Peter recognized Jesus as the one they had been waiting for, the anointed one. The Jews were expecting a Messiah. They had many ideas of what he should be. Some were accurate. He was born from the line of David in Bethlehem, the city of David. He would be called out of Egypt and be a Nazarene. Some ideas of Messiah were not accurate. A mighty soldier, a king to overthrow the Romans, and return to them their nation. A Messiah to set up his kingdom with Israel. Their understanding of Christ was flawed, as ours is often flawed. Jesus is not a Christ. He is not one of the many anointed ones. He is the anointed one. He is the Christ. He is the only one who could accomplish God's mission to die for all mankind. Terms such as Savior and being saved are so familiar that we almost flippantly talk about how Christ was born of a virgin, died on the cross for us, and was raised again. We are brought up to think logically, scientifically, and thus can easily dismiss the account of Jesus as just history with no impact on our lives or too fantastic to be true. But the significance of what transpired on Incarnation Day split history, defied science, and though fantastic, is true and must not be missed. That is why we take the time to celebrate Advent. To help us grasp it, let's look at who Jesus is, who, is it, who it was that born in Bethlehem on that day long ago. Christ Jesus is eternal God. He was never created. He will never cease. He has experienced all that being in the presence of God is. Being a member of the Trinity, he is the Son of God. He is completely loyal and obedient to the God the Father. As obedient Son, and that's a capital S meaning deity, Jesus willingly left everything in heaven to be born a helpless child, to face adolescence, to endure ridicule and hatred as an adult, to be abandoned by those closest, and to endure the wrath of God, paying the penalty of our sins. As revealed to him by God, Peter named Jesus as the Christ. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barhona, for flesh and blood was, has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven has. Matthew sixteen seventeen. We celebrate Advent because God has revealed Christ to us in intimate relationship when we turn to him and surrender. We celebrate Advent to recognize that Christ came as a baby, died as our Redeemer, and was raised our Savior. It was never about a baby in a manger. It wasn't even about the cross. The incarnation is about Christ coming as God is with us to take the wrath from God upon himself to pay for our sins, defeat death, Rise again and reconcile us with God. That was the moment the angels were announcing in Luke 2.11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, Christ the Anointed One. For that was the moment he was born in Matthew 1.21. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Advent reminds us that he truly is Emmanuel, God with us. He is still with us through his spirit every day. And the reality is Christ is coming again. Advent begs the identity question for each of us. Just as he asked Peter, Jesus looks to each of us and asks, Who do you say I am? May each of us respond as Peter did with worship, awe, and obedience. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Rejoice. Amen. If you have your outline, you see that 
we have been talking about this Advent season as incarnation rather than Christmas, and we've said over and over again that we're going to let the culture have, the, have Christmas, and we're going to be celebrating incarnation. That God's original plan for us is to be co-laborers with him, as we've looked at Christmas or Jesus in the book of Genesis. That his original purpose is not changed, and so that's, it still continues on. Incarnation is the beginning of restoration of the original plan. It's an invasion, and we're going to be talking about that. That Jesus has, is, and will always be there from Genesis to Revelation, and that God won't give up his throne, and he won't give up on us. So as I pondered about this message, I've, uh, I just, there, there are some messages when, that are just crystal clear. God gives me real clarity on what it is that it's supposed to be about. Well, that's not this message. This one I, I struggled with and back and forth, and I just got so many thoughts and ideas about this. But I think ultimately what God would like us to walk away from this time with is a deeper understanding of what it means that God is light, that Jesus is the light of the world. Um, and so I've been caught by this. I, I just discovered this week that for the Lutheran church, that on Christmas Eve, the, the scripture that they end with is John chapter 1, where it talks about Jesus, that, and we're going to study that, and part of what we read is Jesus as the light of the world. And I thought, that is a Christmas Scripture That is an incarnation scripture. That, but what we like are the warm and fuzzy scriptures. You know, a baby in a manger, angels, you know, all that. But John chapter 1 is much more direct about what Jesus is really all about. So I, I just wanted us to think about light and the question came to mind, are you, as you look back over the last year, are you living with more in the light of Christ? Are you walking in step with him as the light of your life more than you were a year ago? And will you be walking in step with him as the light of the world, as the light of your life, more a year from now? Well, that de depends on what you do and how you respond to him as the light. So to begin, let's, let's think a little bit about what, what are some qualities of light? I mean, what does light do, just general in our world? This is audience participation time. So it lets you see, it, it, lets you see, it exposes, what'd you say? It exposes what's happening. Exposes what's happening. So... Bring, you bring light to the subject, it means it exposes it, okay. The word that comes to my mind is illumination. Illumination, so it brightens it. Warms it up. Warms things up, yep. What else? Happiness. Yeah, there's something about light that is appealing. And that's why people will go south, all these... Snowbirds will go south because there's more warmth, there's more light. Anything else? There's something appealing about light, isn't there? Because light brings illumination. It, it helps you see what you need to do, where you need to go. It just gives you the ability to, to even function in life. Um, and it, as I was thinking about this, it, I... It made me think of a couple of pictures from my past. The first picture is of our house with my failed attempt to try to hang Chris with it. <laughs> There's a long, long story beyond that. Because um, I'm so good with tools and ladders, <laughs> and I was trying my best, and I, it wasn't very successful. But that's our house, and that's lights that are... I, I, when I used to, years ago, I gave it up because it wasn't worth it. I thought I was going to die. So that, that's our house. But this is our house too. And the only thing different is that there are lights penetrating the darkness. Light, in that case, 
doesn't change what's there, but it lets you see it in a different way. And that's a part of what Jesus does, is, is the light shines into our lives. Um, and so I want to talk about living with Jesus as the light of the world. And, and I'm telling you, I'm just being vulnerable here. Um, <laughs> there are some messages that, that just, are, to me, are just laser clear. This one is kind of, all my thoughts just kind of thrown up against the wall as we go through this. And I'm banking on the Holy Spirit identifying for you what you need to hear. Because I feel like I, I'm, I'm struggling. First thought is light and darkness. Light and darkness. So we've been talking about Christmas or Christ in Genesis. And, and as, as a part of what we've seen is that we went back to Genesis chapter 1 and we saw that in the beginning God created everything, right? And early on he created light. He created light. And so in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 what we see is light as a picture or as a, as a uh, metaphor for everything that was good. Everything that was good. It was light and life. Um, it, was, it was good, it was wonder, it was blessings, it was perfection. It was, and so light that kind of indicates life in some ways. And so in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God creates everything. He creates man. He gives them the ability to have a relationship with himself. They were co-workers with God. Um, they enjoy creation. They enjoy God. They enjoy each other. Everything is good. Everything's light. And did you know that there was not rain back then either? There was a rain until the flood. And so I got to believe that there were, the light that was even coming from the sun was, was better and more perfect than anything that we can ever experience. But we've also seen that sin brought darkness. It was sin that brought darkness into God's creation. Everything was perfect with God. Sin brought distance from God. It brought, brought the loss of Eden, and so they had to to, they were run out of the Garden of Eden, and, they, um, and as a result, they had to leave all that perfection behind. It brought conflict, because as, as soon as they sinned, they started blaming each other for stuff, right? And then um, struggle in work, and so part of the discipline to Adam was that it would, by the sweat of your brow, there'll be thorns and thistles. And then to Eve, there will be more pain in childbirth. And it brought death. Sin with darkness brought death. The first death was, does anybody remember? No? Not human death. Yeah, the animals. And back, my understanding of that creation was at, when Adam would name the animals, he was having a relationship with those animals. And so it brought death to animals that he, under, that he had relationship with. And so sin brought darkness and brought death. More sin brought deeper darkness. Greater distance from God. And so as you, as you continue in the book of Genesis, you see um, it got worse. The loss was felt more deeply and human conflict escalated. And so the next thing that we see is the conflict between Cain and Abel. And the conflict between Cain and God. And the resulting conflict, conflict began, led to human death. And so the darkness got deeper. More sin brought a deeper darkness. And then we, can, we continue on in Genesis and it seems like it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Genesis chapter 6 verse 5 and we'll be, this is where we're headed in 2022. We're going to be studying these passages. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. I want you to listen to this. Listen to how bad this was. Sometimes we think the chaos and the, the evil in our world is new. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Darkness was beginning to overcome the world to the point where only eight people would respond to God's invitation to be saved. Eight people on that ark survived. Here's a takeaway that I really, and this might be the, 
the most important thing that I say, I don't know. I'm just throwing it up against the wall, really. Every time it appears, God's light will be extinguished. God works his plan to make the light brighter. As I was thinking and praying this morning, that thought came to me. As we look through the history of mankind, at, you know, the story of God through Genesis and all the way through, and sometimes I think there's a tendency to think the world that we're living in now, it's like everything is coming together to try to extinguish the light of God. And it's just getting worse and worse and awful and awful and darker and darker. And, and there is darkness. But, it, but what, I, what I notice is, it, so it's just getting worse and worse in, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. And God says, nope, Satan's not going to win. I'm going to save these people on the ark and I'm going to start it all over again. I'm not going to, I am not surrendering my throne. Every and every time in your life, it feels like sin and death and, and Satan is trying to do everything he can to try to extinguish the light and the purpose of God and, and his plan for you and the joy that he wants you to have. Every time you start to feel that it's because Satan is trying to get you to give up. The only thing he can do is get you. He cannot, look at me, he cannot defeat you. He can never, ever overwhelm you. He can't. He doesn't have the power. He doesn't have the ability. And what he can do is to, to try to get you to give up. And so scripture after scripture tells us, just persevere. If you don't give up, God will work. Satan doesn't have the power to defeat. He doesn't have the power to overcome. And so every time it, when it looks the worst, oftentimes those are the times when God is working most. Amen. And so it looked the worst. And God, what does God do? Noah, build an ark. And he does this incredible miracle. That's what we've talked about. That's what we, why we celebrate communion. When, God, when Satan was trying to do his worst... Satan used it to save the world, or God used it to save the world when Satan was trying to use it to destroy. God promised victory of light over darkness. And that's where we come to our memory verse. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. He says, I will put, and, and so after their sin, God says to Satan, Here, here's what's going to happen. I will put enmity, I will put hatred, I will put division between you and the woman, between the supernatural beings that have rebelled against God, that oftentimes people call them fallen angels, what, these invisible, rebellious creatures that God had created in the heavenly realm. He says, I'm going to put hatred between you and the woman, between you and the human beings, and between your offspring and hers. And I'm, and, and I'm telling you right now, he says, I'm throwing down the gauntlet, I'm telling you right now, I win. Amen. You will strike his heel, and that we know. Satan tries to steal, kill, and destroy constantly, and he tried to destroy Jesus on, on, on so many different occasions, and then, he, and then he arranged it so that he went to the cross. But out of the cross, Jesus struck Satan's head. He destroyed him and, and defeated sin, fear, and death. He's victory. So every time it feels like it's the worst, the light of God blossoms even more powerfully for those who are willing to look to him. And so Satan, and, and I love this because it's like God, if you're playing a game, um, and I don't play poker, but they call it a poker face, right? A poker face is what? When you can't tell what a person has in their hand. I, and I would never be good at it if I tried to play because I can't hide my facial expressions. <laughs> and we pray with it. We, you know, we play games with our five-year-old grandson, and, and he gets something, and he, and he go, you can tell. You know. Well, when you're trying to win something, when, you, when you're, you're a military officer, you don't, you don't tip your hand. You don't tell them where you're going. You don't tell them what's going to happen. But God says right, at, right up front, he says, I will destroy you. I'm going to destroy. Oh, yeah, you're going to win some victories. You're going to hurt. Um, you're going to hurt along the way, but I will win. And the light will just grow brighter and brighter and brighter. And then the Old Testament then becomes the long march toward the invasion of light into darkness. Because at sin, 
before sin, everything was light. With sin came the kingdom of darkness. And the darkness got darker and darker and darker. And it just seemed to be worse and worse and worse. And the, the whole world was turned upside down from what God created it to be. So that it is called the kingdom of darkness. And so the Old Testament is God's plan working to bring the invasion. The final 400 years were the worst of all. Silence. All through the Old Testament, what we find is, is in every century, there were prophets. There were, there were people that God had anointed and filled with the Holy Spirit, delivered His message, His promises, and His, his guidance, His direction, His inspiration, His encouragement. But then 400 years before Jesus came, it all stopped. It got, they called the, the uh, age of silence, the time of silence. When there was no prophet. You see, when the darkness gets worse, God is preparing his best. And that's and I and I think here's here's a takeaway for us. When when we are living in a time of darkness, it might be in our homes, it might be in our jobs, it might be in our culture, the deeper the darkness, the brighter the light will shine. The deeper the darkness, the brighter the light will shine. It's interesting, if you have kids and you, you have nursery and had your, you put your kid in the nursery, didn't you always have a nightlight somewhere? And it wasn't very bright, but it was just so that you could see enough to, to take care of the child. In fact, they were, in our house, they were so dim that we, we would forget to turn them off. This was back in the dark ages before they had those little eyes on them, you know, that they turn on and off automatically. And they would be on all day because they were so dim you didn't even realize that they were on. But you turn the lights off at night and there was enough so that you could see. The deeper the darkness the brighter the light can shine. And Jesus has said that we are the light of the world. We're supposed to be the light of the world. And our light doesn't have to be bright. And the deeper the darkness that we're in, the brighter that light will shine. So when we are living in dark times, it's an opportunity from God to say, here, I'm going to let your light shine so other people can see God. Number two, Jesus' invasion then was an invasion of light into darkness. John chapter 1 Open your Bible there. You're going to need your Bible. John chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. Anybody need a Bible? We got some in the back. Okay. Or if you're like Daniel, we just had the thing memorized. <laughs> John chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. Notice that it's capitalized, which means it is Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So, that it, it, and those verses are to establish the fact that Je when Jesus was born, he, that wasn't when He came into existence. He's always, He's God. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, always eternal. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And so one of the things that light represents is life, eternal life. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness is our, our world, our culture that has been turned into darkness by Satan, by sin. And the darkness has not overcome it. No matter how dark it gets, the darkness can never overcome Jesus. He is the light of the world. He will, there will always be a light. There will always be a representation of him. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness, to bear witness about the light that all men might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And so as I was, as I, as I was studying this, it just caught my attention how often Jesus is referred to as the light. And in fact, yesterday I, I, I did a Bible search on the word light and it just floods of scriptures 
the talk about the light. It's almost like this is a concept that's important to God. Because light brings life. It says the true light, which comes, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. And so Jesus, being the Son of God, he was everything was says everything was made through him. He made the world, and then he was born into the world as fully human, fully divine. But the world didn't recognize him. Why? Because it was darkness. There's a difference between light and darkness. You recognize the light, but you don't recognize, but the darkness does not recognize the light. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so he says he came because he wanted to bring life. He wanted and if you would receive that light, just like on Christmas Eve when we were passing the light, you receive the light, then you have the light. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. The right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. There's the incarnation scripture. He came, became flesh and he lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after you, after me ranks before me because he was before me. So John was saying he's always existed. And even though I came onto the scene first, he is the light of the world. I'm nothing. For from, his, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. And so no one has ever seen the Father, but Jesus came to live among us. Jesus is the light of God. And so Jesus, when he was born, he came as an invasion. He came... He didn't come in a Hallmark movie. It was an invasion. And I got lots of notes about what an invasion looks like, but basically it's this. He came to take over. Anytime an enemy force, uh, a force is coming against an enemy, he's coming to take over. They're coming to to push out what was there previously. And that's what Jesus has come to do. So Jesus came as an invasion, as light into darkness. Number three, the qualities of Jesus as light in darkness. So, so what we've read so far, and uh, what we thought about as light, audience participation, so what are some of the things that Jesus brings as the light of the world? Peace. He brings peace. Because he's coming from Darkness is bringing the light. What else? Joy, love, hope, life, security, comfort. He brings what he originally had when he created in the Garden of Eden. He brings the relationship. He restores the relationship. He is the light bring, coming into the darkness because it was sin that brought the darkness and now it's Jesus who brings the light. John chapter 3, turn there, verses 16 to 21. And then keep your finger in, in the Gospel of John because we're going to be looking at several scriptures there. <clears throat> John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Receiving Jesus as our Savior, as our light. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So it was an invasion so that he could redeem the, the, that, those who were in darkness. 
Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. The light has come into the darkness. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Now, in, in, at some levels, that's amazing, and yet that's what sin does. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Throughout the Old Testament, the call was for people to turn to God, repent and turn to God, come back to the light of God, return to God, return to God. And as we saw in, in, the, in Genesis chapter 6, only eight people were willing to even do that. And, and throughout time, throughout time, it was turning away. That, and so Jesus comes as the light and he says, I got to tell you, the gate is narrow and the path, I forget the exact term, the narrow and, no, the gate is narrow and the path, the path is narrow too is the indication <laughs> of people who will turn to the light. But the gate is wide and the path is broad of people who are turning away from the light. And that is the way it will always be. It doesn't make any sense, does it? But that's the way it is. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light. Thus his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light. So that it may be clearly seen that his works have, carried, have been carried out in God. Light and darkness. Qualities of Jesus is he's the light. He brings the light. But the response of people is if you either receive it, you turn to it, or you turn away from it. And then flip over to John chapter 8. Beginning with verse 12. Narrow and hard. The path is narrow and hard. And for the and it's easy and wide. Easy and wide. Yeah. John chapter 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Amen. Whoever. But. So why do we cling to darkness? Because we're stupid, one thing. And we're enamored with the things that bring us pleasure. The things that, that, we, that appeal to us. Because the gate is narrow and the way is hard. But the only way that we... And, and so I, I'm, in, in the world that we're living in today, I just... My, my best friend growing up, I, I saw him. And he said there was... He was talking to someone that had been in education for a while. And he said uh, they were expressing their frustration over being in the school systems these days. And, and he said, uh, a friend of mine told me, the problem in the world is that people are ignorant, stupid, and lazy. And, and at first, I want, you know, in, inside of me, I want to say, no, that can't be right. But then I look around. And I go, that's what I was without Jesus. Right? I mean, that's not condemning everybody else. It's just without God, that's, that's our fate. And because the way is wide, that's what most people are going to be. And so people turn away. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Have you, do you ever watch people and go, um, how dumb can you be? I mean... I, I, I struggle with that because um, it, and some of it's people that I really love and really care about and really know and are going, how in the world can you think that? How in the world can you live that way? How can you make those choices? How in the world do you do that? And it's because they're blind. I don't think I put the scripture in here where it talks about how sin blinds people so that they're not, they're walking around in darkness. They can't see. They can't see. So it's like you don't put, 
What would happen if you don't have a nightlight, if you don't have any kind of light and you're trying to go in and take care of your child? Fall down the stairs, hit, hit, you know, hit, your, hit your head on the door. You, you can't do anything. Why? Because you can't see. And the world is full of people who can't see. It is, and, and our job is to be the light. That was a tangent. <laughs> Verse 31, jump down, John chapter 8, verse 31. So the Jesus, he's talking about, I am the light, and if you walk, um, if you follow me, you won't walk in darkness, you will have the light of life. And then he says, Jesus said to the Jews who have believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. If you're walking in my light, then you are truly my followers, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you have, light reveals what's really there. Light and so, you know, one of the phrases is, oh, the light came on for me. It came, I got understanding about this. I didn't have understanding before, but now the light came on. And that's what Jesus is saying. You can't know the truth unless you're following him, unless you're walking a step with him. If you obey, and, and notice the, 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 uh, the order of this, you obey first and then you understand. <laughs> so if we go back to Genesis chapter 6, God comes to Noah and says, Noah, build this great big ship. And, I, and, and Bill Cosby did a whole thing about what the conversation was, which I think was completely off. But I think uh, Noah's response had to be, as Mary's response was, how is this going to be? How, how does this work? And, and, and so here's another takeaway for you. In your life, if God's telling you to do something, don't wait for him to explain it. Do it, and then it'll make sense which is completely 180 degrees from what the world says, right? Because if you come up to me and say, Herb, I'd like you to go uh, on a car ride with me. I'm going to say, well, where are we going? <laughs> Not that I don't trust you. <laughs> but, and how long are we going to be gone? And what are we going to do? And I got some dietary restrictions, so we can't just fly through McDonald's. I want to know what's happening. And that's what we do with God, right? But he's the light of the world. He says, walk in step with me, and then it'll make sense at some level. And then and sometimes he goes, well, just wait till heaven. You know, then, you'll, then you'll get it. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It will bring life to you. Well, number four. Is any of this stuff that I'm throwing against the wall sticking? <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> Living in Jesus as the light in darkness. Well, what does it mean to live with Jesus as our light? The first step is to receive. We have to receive him as the light. So in John chapter 1, it talks about how Jesus came to the darkness. Those who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. In other words, they, their sins are forgiven, their relationship with God is restored, and now they belong to him. They receive him. John chapter 1, um, yeah, and this is what I was referring to. Um, to all who receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And then Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 to 14. Giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness... And transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. And so Jesus came as an invading force with his kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of light, into this darkness. And when we accept him, he delivers us from the darkness into the light. It's kind of like Star Wars, isn't it? Isn't it interesting? If you're old enough to remember the old cowboy movies, what color were the good guys' hats? And what color were the bad guys' hats? Light and darkness. There are a lot of indications just in our, even among people who don't know Christ, there's this understanding. So when Star Wars, all these black, you know, Darth Vader's in black, and, you know, the, the darkness and all this stuff. The dark side, yeah. Living on the dark side. 
He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So we have to receive. We have to come to the place in our lives when we, when we turn away and we accept him, this relationship. But then you have to continue to walk in the light. To continue to walk in the light. And so when we accept Christ as Savior, it's not, it, it, it's not like he just... Um, just makes light everywhere all the time and so that we never need more light. It's much more that we come alongside of him and we're still living in a culture that's dark, right? And there's no way to, to get our way through it unless we have his light. Um, when I was growing up, we lived out in the country and sometimes we would be out later than the sun. And when you're out later than the sun, you know what? It's dark. <laughs> and when you live out in the country, there aren't any street lights. And there are only houses about every quarter mile. And so it gets dark. So if I'm out riding my bike, one of the things that I learned is to have a light, a flashlight. Now a flashlight, if I'm a mile away, it doesn't shine all the way from where I am to my house. But it shines enough for me to see the next little bit that I need to be traveling. Yeah, yeah. And that's what, and so that's the next part of this, is we have to walk in step by having the light. We have to walk in That's what knees and nudges is all about. It's starting our day, surrendering to God, and then as we go through our day, turning to Him, looking to Him. John chapter 12 Verses 35 and 36. So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. So he's talking directly to his disciples in human form. He says, I'm going to be with you just a little longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. So this was true for them. It's true for us. It's possible to be walking in the light and then if you, your batteries aren't charged, suddenly the light goes out and you're in the dark and you're in trouble. He says you have to walk in the light lest the darkness will overcome you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. When Jesus said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. And then go down to verse 46. John chapter 12, he says, I've come into the world as light. Do you, just these few scriptures that I read, do you get the, kind of the idea that Jesus was emphasizing that he is the light? And, and, I'm, and I'm, I, I, I confess, I, I'm not sure why this, God has brought this so strongly to my mind, but I think it's important. I think there's something about Jesus as the light that he wants to say to us, that he wants to emphasize, that he wants us to pay attention to in the coming days. He says, I've come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world, the one, he'd, and he's just saying, I, I, you're condemning yourself because you're turning away. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I've spoken will judge him on that day. Jesus is the light, and we have to walk in step with him. And then Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 to 14. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are the light of the Lord. And, and it, it, it's, it's a good practice every once in a while to review what God has done for us. I mean, the end of the year, the, the, the new calendar year might be a good time to do it. Just to take some time with the Lord and begin to list how grateful you are for the things. Because we were darkness. And when we look back at how, what that darkness was, the pain that was there, the emptiness, the meaninglessness, the lack of everything that's good, it should cause us to praise Him. Walk as children of light. And so it's just not a one-time deal of receiving him as the light of the world. It's a habit of walking in step with him. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. 
So walk as children of light and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. That's what it means. What is it you want, Lord? What, is, what, what do you want me to do? That's knees and nudges. God, what is it you want from me? Listening to what he has to say. Take no part in the unfruitful work, works of darkness, but instead expose them by being people of light. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I think through all that we've been through over the last couple of years, one of the things that God is trying to do is, is right there. He's saying to us, if you're following me, wake up. There are some things that have been going on that you just kind of have accepted that you never saw before. Pay attention. I'm giving you an invitation to see what is real, to see what I'm about, rather than just what cultural Christianity is all about. I put under the last section of your outline another takeaway. Every time it appears God's light will be extinguished in your life, God works his plan to make the light brighter. When things are going bad, when things are sad, when things are hard, when things are blue, when it looks like the world is, is coming against you, when it feels like nothing is going right, when it feels like sadness is overwhelming you, all of those kinds of things, it's Satan trying to use the darkness to try to discourage you and to get you to turn away from God, to turn to something else. And if you will pursue him instead, even in the darkest times, eventually, if you don't give up, his light will shine and his light will be brighter than it ever was before. So I don't know where you are. If you're, if you're in that place of, of wanting to give up, just hang in there, keep going. Um, and one of the things that we have to do is to make sure that we spend time with God. Spend time with Him. Listen, because it's kind of like, you know, that's how you plug in your battery. You know, you go too long without Him and it just dims and dims and dims and dims and, and, and every day coming to Him. So um, this is our, our 2022 Bible reading plan, Bible reading schedule, daily Bible readings. And then um, a place then that's got some extra pages if you want to use it for a journal. If you already have one of these notebooks, you can just pick up the pages. If you don't have a notebook, you can take one of these. Um, and so we're starting in January, first with the book of Colossians, which is about the preeminence of Christ. And really zeroing in on that. And then we're going to read a couple of days, the last part of the Bible. In Revelation 21 and 22, because Look at me. That's the goal. Amen. That's the goal. That's where we're headed. And we need to keep our eyes on what it's going to be like as the restoration of what Eden was. That's the goal. You know what? I was about to close. <laughs> you know, one of, one of the things in, in, that gets me about what's going on in our culture is those who are following Christ who are still looking at death as the enemy. And that we have to do everything we can to keep this life. And as a result, we you know, do whatever we have to. We, you know, we, we sacrifice the things that God wants us to have because we're so afraid of dying. And I, I got to tell you, Friends, if I die tomorrow, I hope you're sad because you miss me. <laughs> but don't mourn that I'm gone. I'm telling you, that's the goal. I can't wait to see Jesus. That's where we're headed. That's what we have to live for. And Satan is trying, trying to use the fear of death among people who claim to follow Christ to control whether they worship him, whether they love other people, whether they do what they need to do. It's not political. It's not, it's, it's not, a, it's Satan trying to pull people away from the light. And so I put those two chapters in there so, to remind us where we are. And then we're going to go to Genesis. And in our learning communities, we're going to be talking about um, seeing the story of God in the Bible through, through, um, 
through the unseen realm. And, and then we're going to be doing some things on, on Sunday mornings. That takeaway has a verse in Psalm 4610. Uh, be still and know that I am That's right. and I will be exalted by the heathen and I yeah. will be exalted in the nations. That's an encouragement yep. to walk that way. That's right. Psalm 4610. I, that, that's exactly right. I wish I would have had that before. <laughs> that's right. Daily time with God. The devotional book that we're using is about how is perspectives on hearing his voice. How do you hear his voice and, and what does he say? Dallas Willard is a, was a great man of God. Um, and, and in the front of this is just kind of an uh, instructional outline. Here's Here's what it looks like to have a, a time with God where you're hearing Him and then you're following Him. And we'll be talking about that more in the days ahead. So as, I'll, I promise, I'll close this time. <laughs> I ask you at the beginning, are you, are, are you walking in step in the light of Christ more now than you were a year ago? If you are, it's because you've spent time with Him. You've surrendered to him. You've listened to him. You've obeyed him consistently. If you, a year from now, are walking more in the light, it'll be the same thing. It doesn't happen magically. It happens because you're focused on following the light, walking in the light with him. Would you bow your heads? What is it that stuck with you today? And why is it that God made it stick? And what does he want you to do in response? God is our loving Heavenly Father. He's Almighty God, but he longs for you to experience what it means to live in the light. To find the joy the peace, the contentment, the passion, and to allow his light to flow through you so that others can see Christ in you. He's pulling out all the resources of heaven for us. All we have to do is turn, walk in step. Lord, I pray that you would draw each one of us closer to you, Help us to, to practice walking and step with you. And help us to help one another, to lock arms together and encourage one another, strengthen each other. In a year from now, Lord, I, I pray that you would, that we would look back amazed at what you have done in us and through us. And we'll celebrate you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I hope that.